experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. You know, looking back over the last 52 weeks, the market, meaning the S&P 500, is up around 30%. Throw in the dividends and that number goes even higher. Since January, we've had more than 50 days where the market has hit new highs, albeit one point here, one point there. And we really haven't had any, what I would call a real pullback since last October. As far as the market is concerned, it's been clear sailing. That is up until the last three or four weeks. We had a couple of down weeks and then we woke up Monday morning to see a sea of red, a massive sell-off. Was it because the Chinese bank was threatening to go Lehman Brothers on us? A massive slowdown in economic growth? Investors worried about the Fed meeting this week? Eh, possibly. Well, let's step back for a minute. The S&P was trading at more than two standard deviations above the norm. 30 times trailing earnings, maybe 21 times forward earnings. Simply put, it was expensive. It is expensive. So, one of two things were eventually going to happen, in my opinion. Either the market was going to correct, or stock prices would stay roughly the same until the underlying earnings growth caught up. On the show here, I've been saying I thought it was going to be both. I thought both were going to occur, or at least I was hope, hoping that both would occur. A good 5 or 10% correction never hurt the market. It's a natural, healthy reset. A 10 to 20% pullback? Well, okay, we can still live with that. We don't want to. Nobody wants to. But the reality is, is we're up more than 20% year to date. With a 20% correction, well, we'd be flat for the year. We'd be right where we started. The reason I believe it's both a correction and earnings growth is this. First, as I've said, the market was expensive by most standards. That means investors were paying more for a dollar of earnings than usual. The result was that the multiple was rising faster than earnings were. And I think you should pay up more for stocks when times are good and there's not that much risk out there. Likewise, I think you should pay less for stocks when things aren't so great and there's more risk. Well, look outside your window and you decide if you think that there's more or less risk in the world than usual. From my humble abode, it looks like a lot more risk than usual to me. I won't compile a list for you, but you can do that on your own. So common sense would argue for lower stock prices rather than higher ones. I just don't think the market is pricing in enough risk. Some of this risk is offset by the massive amount of liquidity we have and, of course, low interest rates. Money is just sloshing around looking for a suitable home. And that home ain't CDs. It's in stocks. And we can talk about that another day. Second. Oh, yeah. Earnings. Earnings have been on a tear since last April, up a gazillion percent since then. 
course, that's an exaggeration, but yeah, they've been rolling right along. Truly spectacular when you look at it. But again, reality steps back in. Earnings look amazing because they're compared to the previous year, which was truly awful thanks to the pandemic. But if we broaden out our lens and we look back a couple of years to smooth things out, earnings are still good, 12%-ish. Not amazing, but very, very good. I think that earnings are starting to normalize. We're going to start seeing that normal 10, 12% type growth. Again, very good. So let me unpack all this. Again, it's just my opinion, but here it is. The market corrects because it's expensive and people are paying too much. I don't think we're going to have a crash because earnings are, well, they're just too good. And there's a ton of money that needs a home. That's how I get to a decent, normal type of pullback because earnings continue to grow. Okay, I have a couple of housekeeping items before we move on. On October 5th, mark it down on your calendar, it's Tuesday. I'm going to be doing a lunchtime webinar on how to prepare your finances for the future. You know, COVID's had a lot of people reevaluating life in general, and a lot of those folks are thinking more and more about retirement. Could I? Should I? So I'm going to be talking about the planning process. We'll look at some of the risks that could affect your retirement. Take a look at withdrawal strategies, social security, healthcare costs, as much as I can get in in 50 minutes. And then hopefully we'll have some time for questions. So mark that on your calendar. It'll be Tuesday, the 5th of October at noon on Zoom. And I'll put up a registration page on our website. Uh, it's not there yet, but it will be at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com. You can look under the resources tabs and you'll see webinars and I'm sure you'll be able to find it from there. If you're on our mailing list, well, then we'll send you out an email with a link in it. And if you're not on this, the email list, well, you can send me an email at podcast, which is plural podcast at xmlfg.com. Uh, or give us a call, 571-261-7670, and I'll get you taken care of. Okay, on the next show, I'm, uh, I, I've, I've convinced Josh Hummer to come on and talk to us. And if you don't know Josh, well, I consider him one of the best estate planning attorneys in, in Northern Virginia. So that should be a real interesting conversation that I'm looking forward to. You know, there are some big changes coming. And you want to be prepared for them. So Josh will be here to help us with them. With the markets in a bit of turmoil now, let me tell you what I'm buying for myself and for my clients. I eat my own cooking. I talked about Beth, uh, Bath and Body Works a few weeks ago. That's symbol BBWI. Now, they're a leading uh, uh, fragrance retailer and they operate across different product categories. Things like home fragrance, you know air fresheners, potpourri, candles. Well, for them, that's about 40% of sales. Then they have the body care and fragrance, which is about 35% of sales. They have the soaps and sanitizers, which is about 20% of sales. Altogether, Bath & Body Works has around 1,750 stores across the country. And it's broken up. Roughly a third are inside shopping malls, another third outside shopping malls. 
And the last third is the mole that comes to you, you know, the internet, they have online sales. So that's a pretty nice balance, a pretty nice split between their outlets. They do have about 3% of their sales that come from an international segment, but that's 3%. We're not going to talk about that. One of the reasons why I like them is because they have this large and growing end market. You know, last year, sales were $6.4 billion. And that's really only a fraction of the total market. So I think that there's plenty of room for them to grow. If you're trying to grow like they are, well, then it makes sense to have a solid distribution strategy. And I think they do. Remember what I just said? They have this balance between mall stores, non-mall stores, and the digital. And it's about a third each. I think this balance lets them take part in two of the largest themes in retail right now. And, and that's a shift to digital and a move out of the shopping malls. So I think they're well positioned there. I think that they're going to earn about five fifty this year and four ninety next year. And you go, whoa, earnings are going down. Keep in mind, last year was a huge year, year and earnings should go down next year. But again, broaden out that lens, you're still looking at 40% growth in revenues since 2019. So it's averaging, they're averaging about 20% per year in earnings growth. So with earnings at 550, um, or I'm sorry, I'll use next year's earnings with earnings at 490. Well, the stock is currently trading about 13 times next year's earnings guess. So what does that mean? Well, compare them to companies that are like them. Estee Lauder, they're trading at 45 times. Bath and Body Works are 14 or 13. L'Oreal's trading 43 times earnings. Bath and Body Works, 13 times. You get the idea. The rest of the companies in the group are trading at much, much higher multiples, about twice what uh, BBWI is. If they keep executing their strategy, I think you could see investors paying a, a lot more attention to their earning, earnings. So I'm a buyer under 67. Another area where I'm doing some buying is in the industrials. The industrials have been kind of meandering around here and they start, they're starting to look inexpensive to me again. And a new name I bought over the last week is Gates Industrial, which is symbol G-T-E-S. Never heard of them? Well, that's okay. That's why I'm here. Gates is one of the big makers, the, one of the leading makers of power transmission and fluid power components. Yeah, not sexy stuff, I know. But Gates is the leader in market share in both of those areas. What they make, you know, belts, hoses, pumps, are those things are what you call mission critical type stuff. And they don't cost a lot relative to the system that you're that they're in. And their business model is largely driven by the replacement cycle. And that comes from normal wear and tear and, of course, maintenance in general. And the upper hand that Gates has over their competitors is their strong distribution channels, a lot like Bath and Body Works. But it's also in their uh, significant material science capabilities, their brand awareness, their uh, their sticky replacement business. They, their product breadth is tremendous. And they have a great industry 
reputation, tremendous operational capabilities, and they have size and scale, the size and scale advantage. When I was doing my research, I saw a bunch of ways that I thought they could grow the opportunities as they were. For example, the machinery. There's a lot of machinery out there that uses chains. And in a lot of cases, it makes sense to convert those chains to belts in the food and beverage industry. Well, it uh, eliminates um, the need for food grade lubricants. So it could be less costly. And another area is electric vehicles. Most people think that that would be a threat to gates, you know, no more fin belts or timing belts or things of that sort. But it's really an opportunity for them over the long term. Because right now, electronic vehicles have about 30% more GTES content or Gates content than the traditional internal combustible engine. And that's right. Electronic vehicles have 30% more product than traditional engines. And that's because they have more hydraulic hosing, which is, yes, partially offset by fewer uh, belt needs like fan belts and so on and so forth. Also, the content per EV or electric vehicle opportunity is expanding as thermal management complexities increase. As, as an example, one particular platform that I saw, Gates has five times the content on the EV version, the electri- electric vehicle version, than on the traditional engine counterpart. Five times as much stuff. I think this stock is cheap, cheap given its growth opportunities, and I'd be a buyer under 16. But I will tell you, I want to be disciplined about this number, this $16 number. And that's because the one thing I don't like about Gates is that Blackstone, the private equity group, Blackstone owns about 66% of the company. And for me, that's a headwind. At any time, Blackstone could decide, you know what, the price is right, and we're going to sell our shares into the market. And obviously, that flood of liquidity is going to drive down the stock price. So under $16, well, I'm happy there. And that's so that's Gates, symbol G-T-E-S. Okay, that's about all we have time for today. Don't forget, the next time we're on, we'll have Josh Hummer joining us and look out for the webinar on October 5th. Until next time, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. I'm Eric Whiteman. This has been Common Sense Investing. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the hosts and may not necessarily be those of XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific 
specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.